This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. In on two sides of crazy fire. Steps away from the attention to Smith. Fire now. Finds Bay and Fennick. Bay and Fennick. Pass two. Pass three. He's clipped there, but he's still going. Referee plays advantage. That's a penalty. Bay and Fennick. Must have taken on. Place have taken on five players. Beat the lock. A pat down in the penalty area. Live interviews. When I was used to my Matilio Longari to give me lessons, and I said to him one day, you're gonna, I said to him one day, you're going to I'm gonna be playing with you. And it to be that he was the one that I remember him going down to the line and just crossing it back and me sliding in with my left foot all them years ago and putting it in. And I think, I, I, I remember it and I know nearly every single Wednesday if I remember it because they keep telling me about it now. Expert analysis. It's hard to actually stop naming players. Dust out. Oops. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, say again. Hello. All right, there. Okay. That was strange. You just said hello. Well, most of the time, anyway. Homesdale Radio. www.holradio.net Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. My name's Chris Hambling. I'm here to guide you through our review of the week. Uh, as ever, we'd love to hear you as we do so. Uh, you can call us today on 0203 uh, You can email us. It's radio at homesdale.net. Or you can tweet us, uh, it's at Whole Radio. Give us your views or ask any questions you might have of the presenting team. Uh, you can also visit the chat room on homesdale.net. Just go to uh, hrlradio.net forward slash chat and join the conversation there. Uh, if you're listening on a PC, you might be interested to know you can listen on a mobile device via the TuneIn Radio app. Visit wholeradio.net forward slash mobile to find out more. Uh, helping me review the uh, last seven days of Palace are Ben Nagel and Nick Gillard. Hi, gents. Evening, Chris. Evening, Chris. Mm-hmm. Evening, Ben. Uh, got a little uh, question to ask you, Ben. Um, <laughs> I when, know exactly uh, what it is. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> no, go on. We were obviously yes, you, you, you and me were uh, down to uh, down doing some commentary for the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund charity game. Uh, yes. While I mention that, if you want to donate to that to that fund or find out any more information about that, um, go to remf.org.uk. Uh, be really good. Like we see, 
we gave up our time and, and went down there and there's loads of other people who, who gave up their time including Amy McGoldrick and Simon Osborne uh, James Daly a five year plan loads and loads and loads of guys who, who you know who did a lot of, of work on both sides for Brighton and for Palace on what is a fantastic um, charity event so it'd be great if you could donate some money to that for, for what those people went through um, but anyway Ben pr- sort of prior to the game we're getting ourselves set up you had a little wonder trying to find the um the wireless internet hub, and uh, did you walk in on the crystals getting changed? Well, well no, because uh, obviously it's Lewis is quite a small ground, so uh, I was just wandering around trying to trying to find the code, and uh, somebody said, "Yeah, that that porter cabin down there's uh, they've got the code, got the box in, you get the code from there." So I uh, just strolled in there, bang! I looked up, and uh, in front of me were about six crystal girls all practicing their routines and <laughs> doing getting dressed and doing their makeup and stuff, and I was a uh, I bit red faced and and I quickly mm. got out of there. <laughs> I think you've you've chosen some really poor words to describe what happened there. Um, <laughs> I'm taking some abuse in the chat room already for falling over on uh, on Friday night. Sorry, on Saturday night as well. I can't even remember what night it was. Uh, so, but I'm going to move on quickly from that. Um, anyway, so that's that's Ben and Nick who'll be helping me review the games today. Um, obviously, it's been it's been a difficult week once again for Palace. We uh, went went out on Tuesday night up to Ipswich. Um, came away with a 3-0 defeat in what I'm sure Ben will tell us in a little bit was a, an incredibly bizarre game I've talked to a lot of people on that obviously seen the goals <laughs> uh, and um, you just yeah it's the kind of luck that we've been having in, in a lot of ways but um, obviously it's not just down to luck there's, there's also some other things to look at there so we'll go through that Ipswich game also we um, obviously had the 2-2 draw against Leicester at Sellers Park yesterday uh, interesting game. I suppose a neutral probably would have enjoyed it as a, a sort of an end-to-end game with a lot of shots, a lot of chances. And but really, uh, again, I think probably most Palace fans would say, you know, two points dropped rather than a point one there. So we're still this. It's the jit- the jitters for the end of the season are still there. Uh, we sort of trying to get close, and, and obviously the, there's there's a gap that we did have in the playoff uh, positions that's now closed, and um, with Brighton and Bolton sort of around us it's uh it's getting very nervy and, and you know very very tense and i think that's been reflected in a lot of the attitudes amongst fans on message boards and twitter and stuff like that and um there was a there was a blog i wrote on the subject just before the leicester game if you want to give that a read it's wholeradio.net forward slash blog it looks a little bit ropey at the moment because of some internet nerds hacking the uh, wordpress site so apologies for that it will look pretty at some point when we get a chance to do it but for now, you'll, you'll get to see the blog there, wholeradio.net forward slash blog. <clears throat> That's all that out of the way. And uh, obviously, before we go into the, um, the reviews of the games, we'll have, our, we'll have our regular news in brief feature. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Crystal Palace under-18s can count themselves very unlucky to have gone down to a 2-1 defeat against Manchester United on Saturday morning. Reese Alassani scoring for the Eagles in the first half and later missing a penalty with a chance to draw the game level. Palace will be showing coverage of the Millwall away game at Sellers Park, with the away allocation at New Den having sold out. Tickets are £10 in advance and £15 on the night. Check out the official website cpfc.co.uk for more details. A very young Palace development squad were defeated four goals to nil in a game played out at St James's Park against Newcastle United. Uh, former Manchester United winger and French youth international Gabriel Overton scored a hat-trick to add to Rolando Aron's goal as the Magpies' strong side dominated. 
dominated. It's a, it's a full stop. Dominated. Uh, Palace had chances through Winter, Sakaja, Apaya and Innis, but unfortunately failed to find the net. News in Brave. Like hint of a hangover in my voice there because I've just heard that back and it it doesn't sound so good so I'm going to try and liven up my uh, my sonorous tones and uh, I'll be doing my best for the rest of the show to keep enthusiastic. So sound is that with uh, um, hair of the dog? Yeah, I have. I've got a small glass glass of wine next to me. That's why I'm already struggling to speak properly. Um, let's get straight into talking about uh, Ipswich. Actually, before we do that, Nick, you wanted to raise a point, I think, didn't you? Was a point you wanted to talk about? About. Ah, oh. oh, you see. It's completely gone. I'll put you on the spot and you just... It's just... Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, that's a bit of a letdown anyway. Well, um, well, Bob White actually made a point on, on Twitter, so we'll, we'll talk about that one instead. Is that, is that better for you? That sounds better. Um, he made the point that he thinks that three points from the final three games will see us in sixth place. He said, do we agree with that? And um, I know before the, um, before the Leicester game, I think we were talking that four amongst ourselves that four points would see it you know a win and a draw and we'd probably not drop out of the playoffs but it really doesn't look anywhere near that comfortable anymore I think the trouble is that the connotations are quite complex because a lot of people are playing each other well I think Hull are playing Cardiff and I think Leicester and Forest play each other and things like that so I'm not quite sure mathematically what it is that we need and if any listeners do know uh, tweet us HOL radio or or Radio at homestead.net, email us, let us know what the, what the exact mathematical situation is. But um, um, I don't know. I, I do feel I do feel perhaps a win is, is all it will take. What do you reckon, Nick? Um, well, I'm glad we've got the game in hand on everybody, which is good. Uh, I'd like to point out it's not connotations, it's permutations. Oh, jeez. Connotation is something completely Sorry. different. Um, is it? If Forrest and Leicester both fail to win, I, I, I think, and we beat Blackburn, we will be guaranteed the playoffs. And then it'll be a mad rush for tickets. Oh, it will. It certainly will. Um, so there we go. Forrest and Leicester both fail to win, and we beat Blackburn. We are guaranteed playoffs. That that feels good. It feels good to read that because I thought it was a lot more compl- complex than that. So happy days. So um, so yeah, I would say Bob, that makes you absolutely right. I think if we do get three points from the final three games, um, chances are we will uh, will be will be sort of in the uh, in the shakeup come the end of the season, but. In the old uh, um, chat room, um, just alluding to how we were doing earlier in the year, Robert CPFC said it's more stressful than I was expecting this running. I think it's it's good observation. We've all we've all fans and players alike seem to have really sort of buckled under the stress in recent weeks. I, you know, I think that's behind a lot of the, the sort of angst and and uh, sort of dissatisfaction with, with things. I think Ian Holloway's taken a lot of stick and obviously I, I would no, never try and claim he hasn't made mistakes or anything like that but but certainly he's um, you know he's getting questioned where I mean again I talked about it in the blog this I'm not going into too much detail now but basically you look at the situation you look at our best run and everyone's sort of saying well you know Dougie Friedman started this and Holloway's tinkered with the team but you actually look at that team and you look at what Holloway's changed and you know, he, he he was the one who got, you know, some pretty impressive results. I mean, we beat Ipswich 5-0 under his stewardship and people will say, oh, it was Dougie's team and all that sort of stuff. But really, you know, we, we gave teams a spanking under Holloway. It wasn't wasn't really under Friedman. We, you know, we were still very much a containing team under Dougie. And the pe- people sort of kind of like being a bit selective with their memory, in my view. And, you know, we all we all love Dougie Friedman. I'm not, well, say we all do. Not everyone does anymore. But, you know, most people respect what he did here as a as a player and a manager, and it, 
I think, but people being unfair, you you look at the squad. I mean, Owen Garvin's been a big miss, and we never thought we'd say that. But I mean, when it's not just about selecting the right players, it's about having the having players available and having players in form. I mean, when Balassi and Zaha were absolutely tearing it up on the wings, it really didn't matter. You didn't really need to worry about whether your defence was creaking a little bit because. You know, the opposition weren't seeing a huge amount of the ball and their full-backs weren't getting forward because they were petrified and their wide midfield players were having to cover back and all this sort of stuff. that It kind of goes out of people's minds. It gets gets a little bit frustrating to see tactical criticism when it's not just about tactics. But um, I've noticed there's a comment there from uh, from Syria in the chat, chat room about that, about Owen Garvin, Nick. Oh, yeah, when, when Garvin's a big miss, you know we're up. A certain creek without a certain instrument, yeah. Um, uh, Minty says though that Garvin's still underrated. He was pulling the strings early doors. He was. He absolutely was. He was still our leading. Uh, I always get this wrong. Assister or assist maker. I don't know. I've really got to look up exactly what it is. But he he had the most assists for still quite a long period of time. I don't know if he still is, but probably not anymore. But but yeah. For, and it, you know he's been out most of the season. So it's 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 incredibly frustrating that people don't. I mean, I think I think Saturday's visit as Leicester are, are a fantastic example of what we should be looking at when we're trying to get perspective. That's a team that's spent an awful lot of money, more money than than we have. They've got the biggest losses in the league um, that were recorded the previous season, a thirty million quid lost. Um, you know that, that, and they're struggling more than we are. You know, you'd argue that their squad is better. It's it's massively <laughs> financially backed, and you just. And they, and they can't, you know, they can't get wins at the moment. They can't, they can't defend. Earlier in the season, they had a fantastic defensive record. They looked at one point like they were going to break away at the top of the league. Um, so that, I mean, that's that's a few thoughts on on the sort of sub situation at the moment. But I think probably what we'll do now is we'll get straight into talking about Ipswich. I'm going to lean very much on Ben because for once do we have to talk about it. We do, but not not much. You'll be happy to know. We're not much at all. We're not going to dwell on it much. Um, obviously, we want to talk more about what happened most recently, which is which is the draw against Leicester, and the reasons we weren't able to keep ourselves uh, ahead in that game. But um, we we did travel to Ipswich Tuesday night, and we did lose three nil. Um, my information, Ben, and the statistics will back this up, um, is that it was a game that Palace certainly dominated the early parts of. Um, the goal, the first goal came from a, an uncharacteristic mistake from Julian Spironi, of course. Um, then an absolute worldie of a finish from uh, their left back Cresswell, uh, and then the um, direct from the kickoff from that. <laughs> the guest, our previous guest Peter Ramage, uh, effectively sort of seemed to fall over the ball a little bit, and um, and suddenly it's three 0 And apparently there was seven seconds between that second and third goal as well. Yeah, um, so if we can start really with. Um, I mean, what can you? How can you legislate for for individual errors? Yeah, it's difficult because, as Holloway said after the game, you know, will will they make mistakes as bad as that again? Probably not. It, the first half an hour of the game, we we were the better team and we looked more likely to score, and you know, we were on top as we probably should be against Ipswich. Um, and then you know, the ball gets looped over the top, and you, you don't really think there's any problem with it. Spironi comes out of his area, he, he should head it really, but tries to chest it down, and then goes to swing at it, pulls back, and, and it's just an, an easy finish, really. I think it was Frank Newell with the first goal. And then the second one, Cresswell won't hit a ball like that again in his life. I think he, he admitted that on Twitter afterwards <laughs> that he's never hit a ball like that before. And, you know, he's their left back. He, he's not meant to shoot. And uh, I think it was, it was a poor first touch. I remember the ball's run away and he's just swung at it. We probably 
should have, have closed him down a bit a bit better than we did. Another thing that Holloway alluded to after, um, but but we didn't, and it, it's flown in. Sprint. He didn't have a chance really. And then straight from that kickoff, um, the ball's gone back to Ramage. He's got you know four or five passes on either side of him. Decides for some reason that the best thing to do is is take it around the striker. Uh, she's nicked off him and and straight in the back of the net. So you know it's it's unfortunate really that that we've gone in like, after half an hour. You think. You know, we'd be going in at half-time, maybe nil-nil, one-nil up, something like that. But to go in three-nil down, you know, 15 minutes later is is unforgivable, really. Mm. It's a long way back as well from that point, isn't it? Especially if your yeah. team struggling for goals, and and it's not obviously the game was was chased. And they, again, this is where um, obviously Ian Holloway comes in for a lot of criticism on the, the throwing on strikers and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. people seem to think of it as like a gung-ho kind of thing. I suppose in a lot of ways it is. Um, you know, because because defenders are being sacrificed, and essentially the central midfield disappears, and it just you know it's get the ball forward, get get efforts on goal. But um, I mean, the statistics out of that game: well, Palace had 14 shots to Ipswich, is nine. They had seven shots on target to Ipswich, is three. Obviously, the three on target shots from Ipswich were, resulted in goals. Yeah. Uh, obviously, con- seemed to concede possession over the, the course of the game with 55% to 45% in favour of Ipswich, but 11 corners from Palace to, to Ipswich, Ipswich is three. I mean that that sort of those stats. I mean stats only tell part of the story, obviously, and and the most significant stat is Ipswich three Palace nil. Yeah. But it, it just it does point to to a degree of bad luck and a you know and bad timing really. Yeah, I mean obviously when you're three nil down, you're you're going to be a bit gung ho about it and you're going to try and have shots. But I think we could have played all night and not scored really. Phillips hit the post at the end and mm. that, that kind of summed it up. You know, he, he he should have scored it, and it came off the post, and it didn't quite go for us. And and that's that's happened not just in the Ipswich game, but recent weeks as well. You know, it hasn't fallen for us. Well, we've had that bit of luck before. We haven't had it, and yeah, it, it is unfortunate. But but yeah, we obviously we didn't deserve anything from that game, really. No, I know um, we had to go on, go on, Nick. Sorry, we but we earlier in the season we were we were losing two two nil and winning three two. And we yeah. we had the confidence. Oh, we're only two nil down. We, we, we beat Cardiff first of all, and then we we, we went two 0 down to another team. Who was that? And I remember saying on the show that you know we weren't bothered. We knew we were going to come back. Well, against because Watford, we were two 0 down, weren't we? Brought it back to two two. Um, I can't remember. We've, I'm sure yeah. we've, we've come back a lot more than that as well. I think if I stop for a second and think, I'd probably think of a few more. But at the moment, I'm not going to do that. But like, I just think, um, I think when you when you talk about Kevin Phillips, for example, I mean, Kevin Phillips is hat trick. Two of them were were shots that weren't <laughs> weren't hit correctly, you know. And I think if you look if you look at the chance where he hit the post, I had a look at it earlier on today, uh, and and it's one where he if he had shanked it like he did the one of the you know those those chances when he got his hat trick, if he'd shanked one of those that that shot had gone in, but he hit it he hit it too well and it's it's come off the inside of the post. It's things like that that are not quite running for us at the moment, and you know it's it's a feature of any poor run of form from any for any team that. You seem to get all your bad luck in in one go, and you know you you look at that. You just all you have to do is look at the highlights of that game, and you know exactly what's happened. You really do. It's it's incredible that it's happening at this point in the um this point in the season. I've noticed there that uh, Lions five fifty in the chat room is saying letting in goals during the last five minutes of each half must have cost us thirty points this season. It's probably right. It really is, and I, and I don't know. What what the uh, what the I'm sure it's something ridiculous. Like if if games finished at half time, we'd have been top or something like that. That was certainly the case a few a few weeks back. I'm sure it was. But look, it is what it is. Games don't finish after 45 minutes. We have let in goals in those half, so they're not points that are 
that we've won. So, so you know, we're, we're in a difficult situation, a very frustrating situation. And obviously that game itself was another one that we hadn't scored any goals in. So prior to Saturday, it's I think it's seven and, it was seven and a half hours before we'd scored any goals. And sort of last word on this, really, Ben, uh, the fan reaction mm. on message boards and on Twitter and all that sort of stuff was extreme. Obviously a hell of a lot of, of criticism going the manager's way. Uh, individual players being, you know, quite rightly called out for their errors and all that sort of stuff, but but generally an incredibly negative and confrontational reaction, and you know, fans arguing with each other. But here, the fan reaction at the game couldn't have been more different, really. Yeah, uh, we we spoke about it a few weeks ago, actually, about away fans and home fans and how away fans, you know, you've, you've travelled however many hours to get there. I, I drove three hours from from Eastbourne to get there, and you know, you feel like you you've travelled that far. You want to get behind the team and you want to you know show them that that you do care and that you you're not just all all negative you know what i mean it's almost like we're trying to make up for the home fans reaction at the end of the game you know all the players came over and we were singing for a good you know five ten minutes after after the final whistle you know just to show them that we were there and and ramage had that badge kissing thing that that a lot of people have spoken about um I mean, okay. Talk, talking of Ramage, we've had a couple of comments on it. The first one earlier, got, we got an email from Brad Kampenyak asking, uh, "Was it a result? What have we done to Ramage in our interview? And can we interview Danny Gabbett next?" <laughs> which, was, was, which was quite funny and quite harsh. And uh, I know Bob White's just asked, "Do do we agree with Ramage being dropped for for yesterday's game?" So let's talk about um, how the how the players um, played played against Ipswich. Who, who you know who was the who was best and who was worst out of the bunch? Um, Joe Ward, I think. Was easily the best player, and he he met, he did that yesterday as well. Uh, he yeah, yeah. brilliant last couple of games. He played. He was at right back, obviously, and then second half he got moved into centre midfield, and it didn't look like it phased him. I know, I think he, he is technically a centre midfielder or has played there previously in his career. But he, you know, both positions, he looked he looked composed, he looked confident, and he was fantastic. Well, yeah, he seems to have played all over really for Portsmouth, yeah. other than in goal. I think he's definitely played up top, played as an attacking midfielder, played as a winger. But I think, I mean, obviously his position. Now is that you know that was one of the reasons he moved when he did and came to Palace. It was a guarantee to play in one spot at right back. But it's nice yeah. to know he could do such a good job in midfield. Well, uh, well, was it fair? Was it fair for Ramage being dropped yesterday? Um, you know, I, in, in hindsight, I think I think it seemed a, a hasty decision given Gabbin's performance yesterday, goal aside. But um, you know, was was he the weakest of the defenders? Did he deserve being dropped? I don't think so. I thought I thought Delaney. You know, you know, bar the error, I thought Delaney looked as bad, if not worse. And you know, Bob Bob White, the same man, he posed the question: Is Delaney going to get dropped after after his error? And hmm. you know, he probably isn't. And it seems like Ramage is the full guy. I think that Ramage is is a better defender than Delaney at times. You know, he, he's more no nonsense, whereas Delaney loves to mess about with it a bit at the back. I thought Delaney looked looked really weak, as did KG in the middle of midfield. Just looked looked nervous. Looked like a Sunday League player, KG. I think I think that's a, that's definitely KG is, is certainly someone I want to talk about. In fact, we'll talk about him now actually because I, I think we've got enough people to talk about in the Leicester game. So, what what's happened to KG, Ben? Um, you know, went away know, to the African, African yeah, Cup of exactly Nations. It. Yeah, he come, came back. Come back and he's he's the player from last season that no one yeah. wanted anywhere near. No, fans. I agree. I, he looks slower. He looks less fit. I don't, I really don't know what it is, but he he was fine before the African Cup of Nations, and he's come back and and he's just not the same player. He's, he's a shade of the player that he was for, but. You, could you say the same Blassie? I don't know, really, because he, he looked a lot brighter early in the season than he went to the African Cup of Nations, and he's come back, and he's not looking as bright either. So. I, I think it's an interesting point. I think a lot of a lot of players will suffer from drops in form and, and will suffer from tiredness, and they'll never think they're tired. 
You know, you talk to a player, they want to play every minute of every single game. But I mean, obviously, I mean, taking going going back to KG, he's had injuries. We we know that, and sometimes an injury can take a bit of pace out of you. And I don't I don't know if it's an attitude thing as well, but I don't think he doesn't strike me as someone who has a poor attitude and who isn't trying or anything like that. In fact, there's not really anyone in our squad who strikes me like that. And I know they get criticism of that ilk aimed at them, but I don't think any of them are like that. I just think. KG is just struggling for, for fitness and form. Uh, Nick? Uh, yeah, KG, I noticed yesterday, he's he, he suffering from past the ball backage. You know, you know what I mean? He's, he's making up words there, sorry. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't want to go forward with the ball when before he was he scored a great goal over the season with a surging run and it's, he had bags and bags of confidence. And it seems to me like he had that one bad game in the African Cup of Nations, didn't get picked again for South Africa and came back mm. completely different. And so yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. Um, it's it's definitely there's definitely a degree of confidence there, a bit of belief. When you see a player who was he was box to box before he went away, and he he was fulfilling a role that effectively the role he'd been bought for. You know, he was effective. He was sort of a replacement for Neil Dans and got got caught up playing in a defensive midfield position under under Freeman, who insisted on the two defensive midfielders, and and he's ended up uh, just. You know, from being the player that that he should be and the player that he's capable of being, he's just he's dropped back into, you know, into someone who's just he's not taking any, any risks. And I think there's a little bit of that about the whole squad at the moment. They're a bit scared to take risks and scared to to sort of you know to to double up on players or to fullbacks to overlap properly and things like that. Um, sorry, Nick. Go on. Yeah, according to Lions five fifty in the chat room, the reason he's not making box to box runs is because he's so big. The gravitational pull is stopping him from moving forward at the moment. <laughs> Seems <laughs> pretty harsh. Said, but... um, yeah, uh, just thinking about how KG shifted his body to score at Charlton, mm. and you can't tell he's the play- same player now. The way he looks. Yeah, no, it's it's a fair observation. He, he absolute that. I mean, you go back to that Charlton game because that was at a point where that's that's pretty much where our run started, isn't it? The, the mm. great run of form. All those wins started coming. It was that point. It, it united the fans and the players in something quite special and the confidence just grew and grew and grew and a lot of that came down to, to KG getting himself in an attacking position and putting a shot away. It was a hard, hard shot to score. It was a fantastic goal. It really, really was and you just can't see him doing that. Uh, ben, you wanted to chip in. Yeah, just want to touch on confidence again, really. I mean, not even just with KG, but but as we've been talking about KG, you can relate it to him before the African Cup of Nations. You know, we were winning, he was playing well, you know, he, he looked fit, he, every, everybody was singing his praises, really, and then, you know, he's gone away, and he hasn't, he's had a bad game at the African Cup of Nations, and we've had a lot of bad games, you know, the goals have dried up, confidence is low, and I think that, that's really showing in his game, maybe more than everyone else, you know, maybe maybe the confidence is affecting him more than anyone else, because, you know, when, when the team doesn't play well, he's kind of just fitted into that, and he's not playing very well either. I think we good, kind of yeah. peter out at the end of last season, though. We yeah, we absolutely the didn't. Games last season were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Yeah, listen, if you if you go back to uh, what we were talking about with Peter Ramage, and he he was he was quite rightly uh, reminding us that, that that what Dougie identified as the problem, although he didn't really, didn't say it himself, but it was quite obvious from sort of pre-season at the time. He he identified the problem as being physical fitness. He felt that we dropped off the way we did because the players weren't fit enough. Now, obviously. Talking to Peter Ramage, he doesn't believe that that's the case anymore. Um, but but maybe as, as supporters, maybe our observations different. Maybe we can we can sort of say actually, you know, 
quite a few of you are looking tired out there. You know, it's no, there's no lack of effort. But you, I mean, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about why certain players are dropping form. Well, very, very shortly. But you know, I, I think I think KG kind of epitomises the situation in that we know what a good player he can be. Uh, and he had moments. On, he had moments yesterday. Oh, absolutely. But he had, he had moments where he lost his head completely and potentially nearly got sent off. And he had moments yeah. of absolute class as well, where you know where he looked good on the board. He looked, he looked like he was going to make a difference. Certainly, when when we had our our tails up, so to speak, and we were attacking and we were we were looking to push on, he looked very comfortable and very happy, as did a lot of the players. But the fragility at the back was just it was there for everyone to see, and the anxiety in the crowd and the anxiety in that central defence with you know headers not being cleared properly and all that sort of stuff. It was, it's kind of it's it's kind of like a. a you know, I'd equate it to self-fulfilling prophecy. We say we're, we're useless at the back, so we are useless at the back. That sort of a stuff, and and it's you know, it's a worry. It really is at the moment. Um, I don't want to dwell too much. Well, we're going to move away from Ipswich and just sort of carry on this theme um, as we go talk about yesterday's game. Um, obviously, yesterday's game was was against Leicester. And like us, um, good you know, very strong runs in the season, mm. and then. Uh, <laughs> But um, but struggling as the season comes to an end. Um, they've spent an awful lot of money. They got some real talent in their um, in their squad, and they went out and obviously they bought Chris Wood, who was single-handedly making Millwall a half-decent team. Uh, and luckily, um, Leicester went out and just threw a bit of money, and now they've got him themselves. And you know he looks a hell of a player. But you know they've got ex-Man United player Richie Delat at right back. They've got former England international Paul Konchesky. Uh, they've got a couple of I think Mike King is a Man United player on loan. I think, you know, they've got some great players there. Andy King's a great player. Knockhart's a great player. Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Absolute dick, but good player. Um, and really, it, it's uh, it's just a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one to explain. that I, I felt we were the better team. But then again, I start looking at the statistics. And apparently Leicester had 26 shots. I suppose most of them were sort of weak shots into Julian Speroni's midriff or something. Apparently he had 18 shots on target, but yeah, I, I'm struggling with those statistics. I mean, 2-2, I, I've, we, we dominated possession. I'd agree with that 56% to 44, but did they really have twice as many shots at us, to us. It, you know, I didn't, I just didn't feel that it was like that. So my first question to you guys, and I'll ask you, Nick, first of all, is that a game we should have won? It's a game I think we were, in the end, lucky to get a draw out of. Um, the, the the thing I got out of the game was we scored at last. Mm. It was good to see um, Gabidon score from the header. I know people have been complaining that our um, set pieces aren't, don't amount to much at the moment. And um, young uh, Dobby uh, scored a cracking goal, so it was good to see the goals go in. Um, we, we're capable of beating anybody on our day, but when, when are we going to have our day again? Mm. Well, that's kind of it. That's kind of the point that we've we've been talking about and debating. I, you know, any I think I think that is where this season is as frustrating as it is. <coughs> we've all, we've just all seen it. We've seen that we are amongst the best teams in this division on form, and you just can't you can't t- switch that switch and get it back. And it's but are it's, we? It's, you know, but I, are I, we? I genuinely believe. Imagine- I, well, I'm I'm believing it less now because the way the the kind of divisions concertinaed with everything being close in the middle. The only form team, the only team that's been consistent is Cardiff, God bless them. And I suppose mm. they deserve to go up because they've been winning 
winning all the time now, and mm. they, they've been the only consistent team. We made Hull look crap, didn't we? Yeah, and they're second. Yeah, yeah we, we absolutely did. And, and, and when they must have had some form to be where they are now. They must have been yeah. playing well to, to do that. So maybe, I don't know, it's a strange old but division. It is an incredibly strange division, but I think that, for me, the, the issue, the thing about Cardiff, is Cardiff have got an amazing squad to choose from, okay? There's people sitting on that bench paid, you know, extortionate amounts of money. There's people, when they've got a player injured, they've got one who can take his place, you know, who's equally as talented and all that. If someone drops form, they can replace him with another player who's pushing him and pushing him. We've got a squad where there's options for every position, multiple options for every position. But, but arguably the quality isn't there in depth. I mean, if everyone's... If everyone's fit and everyone's in form, then then arguably it is a strong squad. But when you look at you, when you look at us now, look at us now though, Nick. Look, I mean, if you look at our best run, our best run was we had a midfield. We had Zaha and Balassi on the wings, right? Absolutely yep. flying, weren't they? Absolutely flying. Neither of them have been doing it. They're not. It's not because they're suddenly worse players than they were. It's because it's because they've lost their form and they can't get it back. Other teams um, know what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what we get. Tactically, people know that if they stop Zaha, then they they kind of stop Palace. And we, we have had the luxury of saying, well, fine, stop Zaha. We've got Balassi on the other side. You're going to struggle to stop him. You've got three men over on Zaha. But that hasn't really panned out that way anymore. And I don't know. You, you should think, we always miss Mila Yedinak. He's a fantastic player. He's absolute heartbeat of our midfield. I mean, let's talk about central midfield yesterday. Uh, Alex Marrow... You know, hundred percent, hundred percent effort. Started well, did his best. He's not played regular football at this level for a long, long time. You know, he played quite a lot at Fleetwood. Got himself a bit of, you know, match fitness, a bit of rhythm, but not not to the championship standard. And, uh, and he did all right. He did okay, but he doesn't look a championship player anymore to me. Um, maybe I'm being harsh, but that's how I feel about it. Um, you know, Stuart O'Keefe hasn't really kicked on from last season, and maybe the the fact that Ducky's not with him, you know, uh, anymore, maybe that's affecting him, and maybe Holloway doesn't rate him as much. But he's certainly not had any games. He's not, you know, he's he's not built up any real form or any momentum. He's not stood out, at, you know, development squad level or anything like that. So, you know, our central midfield of of yesterday of KG uh, alongside Marrow. It's 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 possibly the the weakest central midfield pairing that that I've seen in a while uh, for Palace. You know, and you go for the start, you go at the start of the season when the other KG who sometimes plays <laughs> and Mila Yednak alongside him, and you wouldn't have changed them for the world. You wouldn't swap them for any other player in the division. And I think people are forgetting that 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 is the genuine extreme of what is happening. You know, the that KG that's currently playing. They were, they were, they were absolutely unstoppable. And um, Jednak could do, did the holding role all on his own, and KG come back and helped him every now and then. But KG had the luxury; he was our top scorer for a while, wasn't he? Yep. You know, it, that's that's the difference. That's what's changed. And it, sometimes, sometimes people oversimplify, but sometimes they can make it more complicated than it is. And for me, it's it's personnel. You know, it's just down to personnel. You can't blame the manager for KG coming back and, and being half the player he was or twice the player he was in some <laughs> <sense>. <laughs> but, you know I mean that, that's where I am and it's it's really difficult to sort of articulate it without sounding overly critical or you know of either of the team and the management or of, of other fans for having a different opinion but 
you know, I, I'm getting very, very frustrated like everyone else, you know, in a variety of ways for how things are going. But I have to say, I can understand it. I just, I don't think we're a weaker team than, than, we, than we were, but I think we're a weaker squad than people think we were. And, that, and that's kind of where I am. I'll give you guys a chance to put your, your view across. Ben, you haven't said anything for a while. Yeah, that central midfield pairing was just completely uninspiring, wasn't it? You, you see it and you think, oh, oh okay, fine, mm. <laughs> it's, nice. But it's just, like, uh, it's, um, there's nothing there that, that you know, you think, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, on that showing, is there any, you know, would, is there any other team in this division that would take KG and Marrow as a centre pair, centre midfield pairing? No, I don't no think there is. definitely, definitely not. I think there that are... are Probably at the moment, our best pairing in the centre midfield would be Jednak and, and Garvin because, you know, Marrow and O'Keefe, yeah, they're fringe players. Though. They're not they're not first team Palace players at the top of the Championship. You know, they're they're average at best. I think they some of them have had good games. You know, Marrow played well played well at the start, but he, he petered out and he he shows passion. And he likes to tackle and you know he, he well he tackled a lot more than Zaha did yesterday, which was frankly embarrassing. Um, We'll, we'll talk about Will for a yeah, minute. It's no. big, it's a big, big subject. Um, um, but yeah, no, yeah, KG off the page. Like, and when KG's not playing very well, you know, the, the player next to him is, is struggling to get much of the ball and it's, it's just difficult. And, you know, I think it's harder for, for Marrow and O'Keefe when you've got KG next to you. If Jennet was there and he, and he was playing well, then maybe you've got someone to bounce off and you've got someone to play around and, and play with. But it just, it just wasn't there. It was just completely uninspiring. No, it's a very good point, actually, Ben. You are looking for the experienced players. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com a player like KG to to take that player who comes along, alongside him under their wing and I think that's what if you look at O'Keefe as a perfect example of that when he came into the side last season you know he, he thrived because he had support you know from everyone around him now it's it kind of doesn't feel that way you got but I, I just want to pick up on what um what Nick's just put into the chat room and I'll get him to say his opinion but it's actually uh, Lions Ian Lions five, Lions 550 put the point he said I think this is where Ian Holloway fails at the moment he's Playing the likes of KG, Wilf and Yannick solely on performances earlier in the season. It should be playing players based on form. So bringing some kids to pep it up. And the only thing I'd say to that is, is it sounds lovely in principle that we've got these people waiting in on you know, waiting in the wings, so to speak, to come in and, and make an impact. And arguably Jason Banton might be one of those. Um, though he's un- very much unproven. But we're talking central midfield at the moment. Who'd you bring in? Because O'Keefe's not up, shown, shown he's not really up to it this season to, to certainly to replace Mila Jednak as, a, as an influence. And Alex Marrow tried his best, but you know he's certainly no Jednak either. And then you, and you look at wide, you, who, who well Balassi has been dropped of late. You know with Johnny Williams out injured, and you know Dobby played wide yesterday, and he, you know he did all right in an attacking sense. Um, 
but he doesn't tackle. And it, it's all of these sorts of things. Um, Nick, you you said me first, so I'll, I'll get you to speak, and then Ben. Um, yeah, with KG, how much confidence does he get playing alongside um, Mille? Uh, and secondly, um, with Garvin coming back in, is he going to be fit enough and ready to come back in? And secondly, the, the mention of the kids, it's a hostile atmosphere. Well, not hostile. Perhaps if we do get the points at Blackburn, then bring the kids in and see what they can do. Oh, look, uh, on, that, on that second point, the, the problem for me isn't so much it's the wrong time to bring the kids in. Look, you know, we've seen it before as Palace fans loads of times where you bring in a, you bring in a young kid and he's got no fear or, or they get a slightly easier ride from the crowd because they're a local kid and they've yeah. come through the system and all that. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the environment to... It's not the best situation to bring him into, but I don't think it's the, a reason not to bring him. I just don't think there's anyone quite ready. What about Boateng? Because he came in against Stoke and he did quite well at it. Oh, yeah, 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 but, but you know, I, I've seen him play a few times and he's always looked amongst the best players on the pitch at the development squad as well, but he's 17 years old. It's I'm not saying I'm not saying he wouldn't do well, but I can understand why you'd give O'Keefe and Marrow... Uh, you know the, the chance ahead of him. You know at this point, uh, you know you you make a good point. Bo Boateng is certainly a name worthy of consideration. But but by the same token, I don't think picking Hiram Boateng in, in central midfield to replace Yedinak, uh, bearing in mind that Yedinak guided him through that game against Stoke and was by far and away the best player on the pitch. I don't think bringing in Hiram Boateng and playing him alongside a, a an unfit and faltering KG is necessarily going to do. You know. Is necessarily going to be to his benefit or the team's benefit, Ben? Yeah, a couple of oh, points. Um, going back to the what you were talking about a minute ago about uh, central midfield partnerships, I was going to ask who who you'd play in the next game. And I was thinking I'd probably go for, for something like Jednak and Dobby, just because you know Dobby's playing all right and, and Jednak's back, and it just seems like KG needs a rest. Really, he needs to you know know that he he is droppable. You know, he's not. He's not a definite first-team player week in, week out. If he plays badly, he deserves to be dropped. That was my first point. And my second point was about Banton. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, but he, he was stripped off, um, ready to come on, and, and then yep. they scored, and, and he didn't he didn't manage to come on. So I think it's a shame, really. Yeah, go on. I think we scored it rather than them. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And one more point. Um, I also think it's it's quite harsh on, on Plymouth, really. You know, in the position they're in, Banton's mm. been their best player, really, and they're, they're fighting to... To drop, not like to drop out the football league, like that, that's yeah. a much bigger situation than um, ours. And, and their best player has been recalled to, to sit on the bench, so surely yeah. he's got to play some part. We'll come, we'll come back. We'll talk, we'll talk Banton in a minute because I think it's a really good subject, and, and I know Nick wants to speak as well. I want to just go back to to your first point about central midfield pairings. Obviously, Jed Nack is back, as you mentioned, so he, you know he he's got to play there. But I think you're right. I think taking KG out absolutely, but I certainly would not replace him in a central midfield position with Stephen Dobby. Because Stephen Dobby doesn't tackle, and you, you know he doesn't doesn't really put a foot in, and doesn't chase back. And it's completely the wrong position for him. In, in who, would, my, who would you play there? Um, if Williams is unfit, um, I would. To be honest, weirdly considering I was just disagreeing with Nick on the subject, um, I wouldn't be averse to trying someone like like Boateng. But at the same time, because simply because he's got Jednak alongside him, but I do think I do think someone like I think O'Keefe would have a better game alongside. Um, Edenak, I really do, but uh, it just depends who's available. To be honest, and, and again, you talked earlier. I didn't see it, but you said Joel Ward had a had a you know yeah. good spell. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant. Field. So yeah. 
So maybe that's a possibility if we've got. But then who do you play right back? Well, again, you know, you start looking at KG. KG's been playing there, hasn't he? You look at Peter Ramage, and you know he's he's played right back before. wasn't fantastic, and he's sold us himself. Prefers, you know, he's he's a centre back by trade. That's what he wants to do. But you know, he can fill in. You just got to think. But if if you're Ian Holloway and you do that, if you put Peter Ramage to right back and you put Joe Ward in the centre midfield, you are going to get absolutely slaughtered. It's getting slaughtered no matter what. But but the point is, we're all we're all putting each other on the spot here and trying to think, and it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's difficult because all of a sudden earlier in the season when we had these fantastic runs of form, it was it was easy. The team picked itself. Um, if someone dropped out, there was someone seemingly ready to come in. Like you know, Darcy Blake's the forgotten man. We all, we were so excited when we signed him. You know, good solid right back, very good centre back, uh, and he just he just disappeared and played a couple of games at right back and was terrible. Uh, had a couple of strong games at centre back and for, for you know for injury and potentially for personal reasons hasn't hasn't been available for selection. So you know that's can that's I, a can I interject here, Chris? Mm. Before I forget what I was going to say, because I'm getting yeah. old. Um, we're, we're, we're talking central midfield. We're actually talking more that defensive midfield pairing, aren't we? And I think if you brought Boateng in with KG, it might have actually livened KG up a bit to give him that bit of responsibility. He played quite well when he was made captain, didn't he, KG, if I remember rightly? Mm. Yeah, so to yeah. actually give him a bit of responsibility would actually give him that bit of confidence well, as well. Maybe, but he just doesn't seem to look capable of it, really. Um I mean, I've, I've noticed earlier on there was a tweet that came in from Barry. It's at Barry8 on uh, on Twitter. And he said, we played well yesterday considering Paul Williams and Jed Nack out. And I think the boys will be more settled now we've scored a couple. Uh, it's amazing. You, you saw spells of that game yesterday where, you know, the confidence did come back for a while. And I, I read some stuff about people saying, oh, it was just long ball rubbish again. It was... You know, the ball was played long at, at times, but there were spells where we kept possession really well and moved the ball around really well. It was a couple of really good moves. And if you look at our goals, they're well-worked goals, so, you know, or well-worked yeah. positions that, that got us the free kicks. And, you know, Dobby's delivery from free kicks was fantastic. He was, he was in an attacking sense, he was good all game. Uh, I was a little disappointed when he went off. Well, I'm not really sure that was the ideal move. But, I mean, look, you know, th- those are, you know, are things that you can sort of argue about all day. It really shouldn't. Shouldn't have come to the, you know, it wasn't the fact. Damien Delaney slipped over. You know, it's it's just incredibly frustrating. And if you want to make a point on subs, then we'll go back and talk about Banton. Yeah. Nick. Um. Chris, you need to reboot yourself. I think it's just me on my own. Hello, everybody. I've got the show to myself. What shall I do with it? Now, I think that um, Zaha needs a bit of a boot. And because um, he's not been the same ever since he's been, ever since he was picked for England, let alone uh, signed for Man United. I think that... Um, He's completely lost it. Completely lost it. Am I on my own, Mikey? Can you let me know in the chat room? I, I'm, I'm here. All yeah, right, we're all here. Uh, so, stop talking like we're not on air, we're on it. So anyway, um, as I was saying, Nick, you wanted to make a point about substitutions, uh, and then we'll yeah. go and talk about Bantons. So, off you go. Sorry, I thought I just made that point. I, I would have taken Zaha off and brought Banton off of Zaha. Because um, I think um, Zaha's just not interested anymore. 
I really do. Whether he doesn't um, need to be injured or... Uh, oh, I don't right, know. okay. On Zaha, it's been a topic of discussion by B, on the BBS and Holt. Um, it's been all through the game. I know uh, our, my, our, our colleague Mark Ross was extremely angry um, with Zaha's performance, and he certainly wasn't the only one. Um, careful how I say this, really, because that would be too controversial. But I, I don't. I think again, it's a it's a very very easy criticism to start going. Oh, his mind's on Man United. Oh, you know, he's just not trying for Palace. Blah 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 blah. He had a poor game, right? Well, the guy he's come out with strapping on his leg. Okay, for a start. So he's obviously carrying some sort of a knock. Okay, so. Um, from observing him as a as a player throughout his time at Palace, he's the sort of person who, if he's got a knock, or if he's got something bothering him, it's going to affect his game. Right? He hasn't been firing on all cylinders since his England call up. That is probably as close to a fact as I'm going to get. He's had a couple of good games. He's had some very solid games, but he's not looked the player, the 15 million pound player. Uh, that, that we have on loan. He's not looked like that for, for a while. And I think there's a degree of trying to make him a scapegoat. And I, and I think that's wrong. I think, I think he's still, he gets more attention than any other player on that pitch still because of what he can do. But he looks off the pace yesterday. I'm not going to argue. And in terms of the substitution, yeah, I'd have taken him off. Uh, he's got one more home game in, in a Palace shirt as well. He's got one got more two. chance to, you know what I mean? One. We'll be in the playoffs. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. I keep forgetting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about taking Zaha off. He, he didn't have a good game, and, and you know, arguably, arguably, like you say, uh, with Dobby making the impact he was, and once Dobby went off, who, who was taking the set pieces? We didn't really have anyone doing it properly, and we, you know, we looked at danger from them. So, but I think, I think just maybe having Zaha on the pitch we've talked about it before just having him on the pitch takes care of a couple of defenders and when you're looking to attack and get yourself further ahead as we were you know it's um it is it's understandable but it's it's fine lines it's debatable but like I said before leave, taking Zaha off or leaving him on the pitch didn't make Damian Delaney slip and, and give away a goal it, it didn't make Danny Gavadon uh, a defender who's been you know, an incredibly experienced defender, just sort of dive in for no real reason and let Andy King walk past him. It didn't make those things happen. Uh, that was down to individual mistakes and just genuinely a, a genuine poor performance at the back or a, a lack of confidence. So I'm not going to... It's really, really... You can point to all sorts of things, but Zaha's performance wasn't responsible for the, conce the goals we conceded, in my view. And taking Dobby off the pitch, it may have affected our ability to to get a further ahead but at the time we were ahead so and again I, I i find it i find it weird that some of the connections that people make but i'm ready to be told how wrong i am anyway ben no i agree with you that, that obviously zaha didn't m make us concede goals at the moment i just hope that, that steve Parrish has got that 15 million pounds in his bank account because you know man united i think I think well, he's he's a shade of the player that he was when we when we agreed that fifty million pound fee. You know, he, he was half jumping in. He wasn't even jumping sometimes. You know, the ball came near him and he he, he ran away from it and he half jumped in the air and it just it just wasn't mm. wasn't very good. I I don't want to I don't want to. I think unfortunately, what you know, I'm trying to present the opposite opinion to that. And 
I don't want to say for a hundred percent certainty that it's got nothing to do with him moving to Man United or anything like that. I'm sure that has had an effect. I'm sure. Yeah, obviously his it, mind it, it, is going to be on it yeah, because he's it, soon it, to be moving up to Manchester. His whole life's going to change. So you're, yeah. you, it's impossible to not have your mind on Man United. But yeah. I think you know when he's playing badly, people are just going to jump to that assumption, obviously, because mm. because he is the 15 million pound man who's not technically our player anymore. Yeah, maybe um, he's worried before... about Suarez in the Premiership because Suarez will see his <laughs> name his armor. Fry Zaha and eat Oh, him. for God's sake! Right, um, <laughs> look. Uh, just before we go on any further, if anyone has any comments on anything we've talked about or wants to, one of the other things I want to talk about is um, what changes would people like to see? Would like to have seen yesterday, uh, and what changes um, they, they want to see for the for the games ahead? You know, who's not playing? You think should be playing? You know, we've all given our opinion. Be interesting to hear yours. Um, as two two other point players I want to talk about there, uh, Joel Ward and Aaron Wilbraham. Um, I also want to, um, well, you know, we've talked about how Leicester Leicester are sort of almost doing exactly what we're doing, so we won't talk about that again. But I do want to go back to to talking about Jason Banton. You made some points on that, Ben, that we haven't really addressed. Um, yeah. First of all, you're, you're talking about how hard it is on Plymouth. Um, I don't know a Plymouth fan or two, and. Um, they're obviously they're not big fans of Holloway in Holloway anyway. Uh, one of them calls him Ian Hollow Words, um, <laughs> and yeah, and obviously there's a degree of anger that that um, we talked about it on this show. We talked. I, I made made a point where people were saying let's call back Banton, and I said I didn't want to see it happen. And I know Nick, you're on that show, and you said you agreed. And I said, what's the point in in taking a player and giving him ten minutes at most here and there and when he's playing 90 minutes and he's enjoying his football and he's scoring goals and he's having an, an impact. And we talked about the, the effect of, of him, you know, being in a side that, that's fighting against relegation and, you know, actually was making a really, really good go at it. And I, I, I find myself very frustrated by it because it's not that I think Banton should necessarily be playing because even though I've seen him play a few times and he's very good, I, I'm not sure he's the answer. And I'm, but unfortunately, while he's sitting on the bench... Uh, people will always think that he might be the answer, and he almost becomes a uh, oh, why the hell did you call? Well, it is it's why the hell did you call him back if you're not going to use him? It's not, well, obviously, there's an intention to use him in some form, and like you said, Ben, he was he was stripped off, ready to come on, but um, but we, I think Dobby basically put the ball in the net, and in Holloway changed his mind about what where we're going to go. He thought you know we've got the ability to to hold out on this lead, and um, well, it's, it's a bit of a strange thing to say we're in Holloway in charge trying to sort of. Not just bring on two more strikers when we go another goal up, but there we go. That's that, that was kind of my thoughts on it, really. And I, I, I have to I have to say, I don't really think in our current situation we can we can care whether Plymouth Argyle remain in the football league. And on a personal level, I want them to. You know, I really do, but I don't think it's our place to care if uh, if Banton can help us, Nick. It's interesting that you say that he did well in a relegation situation at Plymouth because in, in a strange way, we're kind of in a similar situation and we're fighting for to stay in the top six, which is almost a, a kind of further up the table relegation battle, if you know what I mean. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it is a shame. And it, it, you wonder how it's going to affect him, you know, not getting, not getting match, match time because mm. maybe we'll, we'll, we will need to bring him. Maybe we're... Uh, otherwise waiting till we do get like, that elusive three points maybe against Blackburn and then he can chuck a couple of the younger players into the mix for the last couple of games to see how how well they'd suit the playoffs 
maybe he's waiting for the playoffs to throw them in because he knows that they're an unknown quantity and that's why Balassi was so good earlier on in the season because he hadn't played at Bristol. Nobody knew what he was like and that's probably why he was so successful. I don't no, know. I mean, it, yeah, it's a possibility. Um, but the thing is, anyone who's who's really is listened to, to Ian Holloway talk about tactics will know that the kind of fallacy that he's just this one-trip pony who throws on a load of attackers and that's all he ever does. We'll know that that's not actually the case. Um, and that, you know, like any manager, he, he plans way in advance of what, what personnel he's going to use in what position for each game based on the opposition, right? You know, it's fairly basic stuff in terms of a football manager, but you, you can see clips on YouTube and stuff like that of him talking in Spironis before a game and telling why he's picked what player in what position. And I, I don't doubt for a second that he had one or two games in mind uh, for using Jason Banton and why he called him back when he did. But it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he called Banton back, got him training with the side and suddenly thought, you know what, he's been doing well, but he's not going to be the right, he's not going to do what I thought he was going to do. You know, he's not quite right for the position I thought he was going to be in for. You can't call him back and then suddenly send him back again. Um, Isn't that what he's got scouts for? Yeah, yeah, but, but, yeah, but you can disagree, can't you? You can disagree with someone or, or someone, or, or Banton could do something, or show something, or maybe Banton took a knock, or, or you know, anything can happen, really. You know, or maybe the time. Obviously, he wasn't involved in the in the squad for the Ipswich game because um, he'd been called back re- fairly recently. Maybe he missed out on all the training. So it's it, it's honestly it it's too many unknowns to start going too far into it. All I say is he's obviously called him back for a reason. It would be a shame if if Banton isn't used because then he'll always be. You know, a, a stick to beat the manager with if things don't go right. But um, look, let's, can, let's, I, can I beat Ian Holloway with a stick, please? I'm uh, you can get a bit bit fed up with the substitutions. Showed no, I, they weren't really a plan B. It was it was all like for like. We before he's changed formations, he's changed it to three at the back, and yeah. he, he just kept it the way it was yesterday, which wouldn't kind of outfox the foxes. Because we just no, played the same. No, no, no. But again, you're, it's, it's hard not to, again, playing devil's advocate a little bit because, you know, I was guided not to win the game as much as you were. But it, it's very, again, it's very easy to say, oh, we he did this and that was wrong. So he should have done this and that would automatically have been right. He could have done exactly what you thought was the right thing to do and it could have gone horribly wrong. We could have lost that game. You know, I mean, it's not, the, uh, the contrary thing is not necessarily the correct thing, is it? So... Well, it's I all mean, hindsight I, and guesswork, but it, it was, is. But but I mean, I don't I don't see what he's got option wise to to make that much of a you know to make that much of a of an impact. Really, we don't we don't have people absolutely flying at all. The only person who arguably might be flying in terms of form is Banton. Um, but if, if but, well, why Holloway put, Holloway would use him if he could have an impact, wouldn't he? Wouldn't but he's why in his bring interest. Banton on? Bring Banton on and bring Banton Zaha, on. No, oh. take Murray off. And stick Zaha up with um, Wilbraham. Let's, you know, that that yeah. put the wind up the foxes. If Zaha's well, playing up front, then we've got our of, two wingers. We're talking of Wilbraham, like very much like our performance. Some people said it was a good performance. Some people said it wasn't. Uh, Wilbraham. Some people said he was rubbish. Some people said he was brilliant. Um, what were your, what did you think, Nick? I think that just shows how watching fo- how subjective watching football is, doesn't it? Um, I'd love for him to have scored. Uh, there was a couple of times where he's about nine foot ten, and he didn't jump for headers. Mm. And I thought, why? He was being beaten by by sh- short players. Serial um, says he runs like a sissy. I don't know how that would be. <laughs> um, 
a bit like Owen Garvin. Um, but um, it was good to see him get the 90 minutes, and I and I think it it would have done him some good to have 90 minutes. Um, there were a couple of nice little touches between him and Murray. Um, mm-hmm. If he, if we were mid table and nothing to go for, you, you wouldn't mind players like that having a run. But then who else have we got? Phillips is capable of playing 90 minutes if he needs to. I mean, did Phillips touch the ball when he came on? Uh, a couple of times, but not a huge amount. Again, his impact has lessened. It's it's a difficult one. Um, ben, can, just moving away from that subject, but well, getting your opinion on that subject before we before we move on. Just very aware of the time. Um, first of all, was was Aaron Wilhelm's performance good in your eyes, or was it poor? Very good in my eyes. I thought I thought he was really good. Him and him and Joel Ward, I thought were standout players. I mean. You know, he gets so much abuse and, you know, you'd forgive him for coming on and, and being nervous, but he, he's come on and he's done really well, I think. I mean, he, his movement was good. He, he helped Murray out. Before the game, you, you saw the line-up and people were thinking, oh, this is, this is rubbish. It looked like there was going to be a real lack of mobility up front, you know, two, two big mm-hmm. players with not a lot of pace, but it worked reasonably well, I thought. Um, Wilbraham played well. You know, he didn't. it, it would have been lovely if he'd scored the goal. But I think he's done well enough to, to warrant a starting place against Blackburn, to be honest. OK. Um, and so, on. well, well, we'll talk about Blackburn any second now, actually. But just on the last bit, you mentioned Joel Ward there. And I was having a quick conversation with, with Anna, whose tweet is at underscore just impossible. Uh, and she she gave her man of the match as, uh, as Joel Ward. And I noticed a lot of people have gone for that as well. Um, you talked about how good he was at Ipswich, and uh, I thought he was superb yesterday as well. Fantastic going forward, very good in defence. So I can remember his early games, I was a bit worried about him defensively. I thought he was a bit suspect at uh, stopping crosses, but, but not like that now. Um, very, very strong player. Dougie Friedman promised us a player who could potentially be better than Klein. And uh, w- w- what do you think, Ben? Yeah, he's obviously not there yet, but... But as I mentioned earlier, I think he's been brilliant. He was fantastic against Ipswich and he was fantastic against Leicester. I mean, he, he seems to just be growing in confidence, you know, game in, game out. It's, it's difficult for him, really, because he hasn't had a run in games. Uh, but now he's he's kind of cemented his place at right back. He is first choice right back now. And uh, and hopefully, you know, the more games he gets, the better he'll get. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll see kind of that, that statement from Dougie Freeman come to fruition, you know, to some, to some extent. OK, and very quickly, Nick... Um was he your man of the match as well? Easily the man of the match. He was everywhere. Uh, I know he won the. Uh, I know they have a poll on the BBS after every game, and, and he went by a long, long, long way. He just felt the confidence, and a few, a couple of times he even got into the uh, opposition's penalty area. I just, he just gets forward so well. I'd, I'd say he's better than Klein, definitely, definitely better than Klein. He just looks so calm. He's yeah. I mean, and he's flustered. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that, mate. It's, it's, it's a good assessment. He's a he's a strong player. He really is a strong player, and um, far better than I thought he would be. But um, yeah, again, Reed's made a point in the chat room. Sorry, he said um, if QPR go down, do you think we'll get Clint Hill back? <laughs> well, uh, Clint Hill and Sean Derry were at a event. I can't remember what the event was now, but uh, it might have been something. To, mm, don't know. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Good story, isn't it? They were at an event. Yeah, <laughs> um, but <laughs> was it a football but, match playing for someone? It might have been that. It was, Q, it was a QPR game. No, um, they are still very much sort of around Palace, uh, both of them at, at times. Um, I know. Sure, I think Sean Derry's son is a, in Palace's academy, and I think Derry did Peter Ramage say that Derry actually does still does stuff at Palace's academy. I think he said that. But there we go. There, I don't. I yeah yeah. I don't know if. Um, 
well, I don't know if that would happen if QPR got relegated. I think probably Clint's, I guess, probably on an, got got another year there, maybe contract-wise. But wouldn't be a shame to see him back back at all. But, I mean, obviously, Paddy's unfortunately had another breakdown on his injury, so he won't be back this season. You know, we've still got him waiting in the wings as well. But I think I think we've seen errors in the centre-back positions. It's... Um, it's a real shame, Mark. I'm just noticed you say Popovich for manager if we don't go up. We uh, won the league title in his first season in Australia, although I think there's some weird system there where you finish top, but then you have to go and play in like a knockout competition afterwards to actually get the title. Sounds a bit like rugby to me. Yeah, it's all very confusing, isn't it? I'm going to pick up on some tweets because uh, I've just accessed them on my phone. Uh, I'm like that. And, uh, damn it, I was so, they were so ready, and then I scrolled the page. Uh, Hmm. Bear with me one second. Uh, Bob White is a do- uh, no. Done that one. Oh <laughs> uh, that's embarrassing. Um, Bob also says not trying to hog the tweets, but he's going to Blackburn Saturday to name the start and eleven to gain those three gain those three points. Well, we'll see if Ben attempts to do that in his preview any second now. Uh, football promos has said um, what was Speroni no longer getting what is with Speroni no longer getting off his line to collect any crosses. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, again, with the mistakes, I think he's a, a player lacking a bit of confidence. He's, he's just gone through the whole team, hasn't it? Um, he made he made some good stops yesterday, though, I thought, as well. So, you know, he's, he's not lost his ability to be a good shot shot stopper. Stop shopper. I can't say that. <laughs> shot stopper. Um, we just need to get a win. We've, we've, we've got the draw. We've scored the goals. Hopefully that'll be the kind of springboard that we need. Um, and the confidence will come back. I'd... I'd I don't want to drop Speroni because he's been too good for us. I'm, I'm not saying that in a sentimental way. I think he's still got three or four at least seasons for us. I think we start we start picking criticism on Julius Speroni. He made a mistake recently, but um, I think his overall game is just is just fantastic. He's still one of the best in this division. I think so you, you, again, you start to overanalyze and you start to look for for problems where perhaps there aren't any. And I don't think our goalkeepers a problem. I don't really think any individuals as such are a problem. I think it's just a collective collective thing. It's a collective. You know, it's just the little things, isn't it? When the confidence goes a touch, even if you're not fully aware that the confidence goes, it's it's when you when a player looks up and instead of having four or five options to pass the ball, he's only got one or two, and they're not great options. And you know, you, you sort of look up and no one's making the runs sort of late on in games and things like that. It just gets a lot harder, and that's that's why we've seen the ball being hit long. Everyone realistically knows that Ian Holloway isn't a long ball manager. It's not how he, what he wants. He wants possession football. He wants the ball played short. If there's no options, he wants players at the back to be able to play it around. Um, I don't necessarily know if the players that we have at our disposal are good enough to do that. I said disposal. I might have said disposable, but... But, um, yeah, that's. I think that's where, to me, where there's a bit of a conflict. But the ball's going long more often because... People aren't making the runs and people aren't confident. So and it's, an, it's a lot easier to hit a long ball into a channel and hope for the best than it is to sort of play your way out of trouble when you're being pressed high up the pitch, which is what the opposition do to us now. But um, just to pick up on another couple of little bits, and I'll hand over to Ben. Uh, football promos has said, uh, when we play simple football on the floor, we're great. Long ball game never works, though. I'll tell that to Neil Warnock. Um, uh, football promos also says, to Zaha off completely agree. He's getting lazy and greedy. Um, I think that's it. There's a few little other bits and pieces. Crystal Palace gifts are um, sending us a load of stuff, which I think Mikey's retweeting. They're all uh, little clips. So if you have them, if you're on Twitter, just have a look at that. The um, yeah, well, we're just retweeting them at H O L Radio. Have a look at that. <coughs> 
Right, Ben, let's preview the Blackburn game. Yes, I'll just wrap through a few little things. Um, I I looked up a lot of stats earlier, and really it's just unbelievable. A lot of stuff I didn't realise about Blackburn. There's obviously a lot more happening off off the field than there is on the field, so... I'll go through it on the field first. I don't think anybody expected them to be 20th you know, at this stage of the season. They're two points off the relegation zone, albeit they've got a game in hand over the other teams around them. And with three games to go, you know, they, they need to pick up points to avoid dropping down to League One. Uh, they've got Millwall on Tuesday, us on Saturday, and then Birmingham away on the last day. Uh, they lost 4-0 to Watford yesterday, which was a hammering by all accounts. You know, they didn't have a shot on target. They had one corner to Watford's 12. And, uh, and Leon, Leon Best was sent off in the 94th minute to, to add to their misery. Uh, Jordan Rhodes is by a long, long way their top scorer at 25. And then Scott Dan, Ruben Rashina and Colin Kazim Richards all have five. There's, uh, there's controversy over a lot of things at, at Ewood Park. You know, why have they had so many managers? There's rumours that, that Venkis are investigating the amount of compensation they owe to, to former boss Henningberg. He's come out and said that he's owed £2 million. Um, <laughs> quite an interesting but, yeah. quote from, from Rovers, ex-Rovers striker Kevin Gallagher. He came out and said... Uh, the last two years have not been happy reading. The people who don't know what's happening think it's bad, but those within the club know it's even worse than some people think. Um, you know, there's players there that are on over 30 grand a week. They bought Jordan Rhodes for £8 million, Leon Best £3 million. You know, they are racking up the debts there for, for a team at the bottom of the championship. Their attendances, I know they were in the Premier League and they've come down, but they, they were 25,500 before Venkis bought the club. Yep. Uh, and now they're 14,800, so uh, it's ridiculous. Um, Michael, Michael Appleton obviously was their manager, isn't anymore. He said in February, um, he had been manager for, for a good few weeks, he said, we've not had any contact from Shebby since I've been here. He knows my number, he knows where I am. I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment, but if he's global advising, he's certainly not advising me. And, uh, and he was the man who, who delivered the news of, of his dismissal a little more than a month later, despite having never met or spoken to, the, to him. Um it's just it's unbelievable, really, what's going on there. Mm, yeah, I, you know, from the outside looking in, if you remember last season, the, the sort of treatment that Steve Keen got, and a lot of people were very critical of the um, of the Palace fans. Uh, sorry, the Palace fans, the Blackburn fans. Mm, my brain just slipped for a second there, but um, but but I think I think there's been something a lot more deeper going on, and and you, when you start hearing things like that from from Kevin Gallagher, I remember Kevin Gallagher was a player, a very good player, but um. You know, he's obviously got some inside knowledge of what's happened there, and I think, I mean, there are there are there are major crises waiting to happen. And obviously, they are a club in crisis, but but very much behind the scenes. But you just got to fear that they're going to go the way, potentially the way of Portsmouth or, or someone like that. And you just wonder what's happening with the with the money as well, because again, obviously, Portsmouth are very lucky to survive in the end. Um, but fortunately, their their fans have stepped up and managed to uh, to get hold of the ground and stuff like that, which looks like a better future for them. But but someone's going to go to the wall, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Blackburn be in that club. And um, just, when that happens, really, really quickly, sorry. Um, that's fine. On contradictory statements at Blackburn, there's a there's an article on the BBC website that I just want to touch on, um, saying about things that that one person said and another person is completely contradicted in. November 2011, Steve Keane said that he'd broken off contract discussions, calling it an inappropriate time. And then the next day, the club released a statement saying that he'd signed a new deal. Uh, September 2012, a Rovers official was briefing off the record that boss Steve Keane would be sacked that day. Uh, the same day, Singh insisted he would not, and then he quit four days later. Uh, December 2012, Chevy Singh told the Lancashire Telegraph Henningberg's successor would be named the next day. And then nothing happened for another 10 days when Appleton was appointed. Uh, 3rd of January, Rovers said reserve team boss Gary Bowyer would be in temporary charge until the end of the month. 
and a week later Michael Appleton was getting two and a half week uh, two and a half year deal. So it's just ridiculous, you know, one person says one thing and then another person says another. I think I think the, the you know, it's quite easy to sort of read between the lines and the, the it seems that the owners the owners are not talking to the advisors who are not talking to the management and, you know, everyone's kind of making their own individual statements. So it's it's crazy to see that going on. But I think that's why people need to remember how lucky we are to be in the situation that we're in right now. You know, I know obviously the season has seen our, our owners get you know some incredibly harsh and unwarranted criticism. Um, I think you know Steve Parrish has been on plenty of times with Steve Brown as well. They they accept that that they will make decisions that sometimes won't be popular and you know, but that's what they're there to do and they'll accept criticism when it's due. But the harsh and personal criticism of our owners when you when you look at what we could have, when you look at where we could be and. You know, we've got people who, who who love this football club in charge of who own who own our club and just want what's best for the for the club to prosper long term. And then you have <laughs> you have the Venkies in charge at Blackburn who you know, quite frankly they, they run it like it's an insane asylum. It, it, I have just you know, I, I you know, I've got no lo- great love for Blackburn or anything like that, but but you know, football's a fantastic sport and you know, it's it's my passion as a sport and then I see that happening and it's you, you gotta feel for their fans now. You know, however badly they treated Steve Keane, I expect they probably regret it to a degree. But to see what they have to put over is phenomenal. But we don't really care about that. We we want to beat them, <laughs> obviously, uh, and they're there for the taking. I, w- I would say Watford, obviously, a very good side. We know that. Um, but but they, you know, that by all accounts, Blackburn fell apart. They, their form was, you know, as you described, not good at all. Uh, for all the money they've spent, for all the players they've got. You know, it the three points are there. We want to get we've got want to get an away win, which we're sort of desperate to have. Obviously, we won against Derby, but we've not had many uh, in in under Ian Holloway. But you know, it's there for the taking, and I think we'll do it. I think I think don't think we'll concede for a change, and I, I think we're going to go two 0 I think we're going to win that. What do you reckon, Ben? Um, you put me on the spot there. Two one Palace. Mm. Nick, what's your thoughts? I think it will be the game that sees us secure our playoff I think it'll be 3-1 Palace I hope so a um, couple of people in the chat room hang on let's just scroll up again Minty <laughs> says 3-1 Beaver Willie says 3-0 fantastic well look that's uh, a very optimistic way to end the show but that is exactly what we're going to do there thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll be back next week It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.